This is the Lightning Junkies podcast with your host, Chaz. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're doing a live podcast session thingy for four years of the Lightning Network. It's been four years since the first Lightning Network mainnet Lightning Network transaction on January 8th, 2018. In this episode, it was a Twitter Spaces recording. So that's why it kind of sounds weird um, in parts and like we recorded it on a Twitter Spaces because we did. We go over the history of the Lightning Network, starting with Satoshi having N sequence in the original version of Bitcoin, all the way down to El Salvador and talking about the most recent public capacity numbers for the Lightning Network. Something really important that we do in here as well is we have some of our um, like onboarding to Lightning Network stories, and I hope you you know take interest in those, and we hope that you send in your own Lightning Network onboarding story, regardless of if you were a newbie or if you've been doing this for four years or even beyond four years. Do not forget that the best ways to support Lightning Junkies is by listening to these episodes on Breeze, Fountain, or any of the other value-for-value apps you can find at newpodcastapps.com. As well as you can find the supporters, different ways to support us, and everything else at lightningjunkies.net forward slash support. Please help keep this podcast ad-free by supporting us today. Now let's go ahead and listen to this live podcast thingy. All right, I want to go ahead and welcome everyone to the lightning friday here the first of 2022 or is it 2021 i always i always do that for another six months into the into the new year there all right um guy swan should be kind of heading in here in a couple minutes and we can actually get started with our festivities um in the meantime i'll go ahead and say hi to evan kaludis uh, the main guy behind zeus wallet how you doing, Evan? Hey, Chaz. Uh, glad to be back at it. Uh, it feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these together. Yeah, uh, December is not really my month, and you know, uh, it's you know, it's always kind of complicated at the end of the year, family time, and all that. So, um, yeah, everyone's winding down. Exactly. So I'm I'm glad we're jumping back into it. Um, I think we have a a lot to go over because today we're kind of we're going to review the history of the Lightning Network. Um, you know, going back all the way to uh, 2009 when Satoshi actually released Bitcoin. 2008, technically, I suppose. Um, and uh, we'll kind of wait until we have everyone on stage before we actually launch into that. So. Maybe 
maybe here at the beginning, we'll do some kind of light shilling for the projects that we represent, not anything that we, you know, we, we aren't a part of ourselves. Um, oh, there's Guy Swan now, so perfect. Um, so while, while we're getting a guy on stage here, we'll just kind of do our quick introductions here. So um, I'm Chaz from Lightning Junkies. We already introduced uh, Evan um, from Zeus Wallet there. Um, just so everyone knows, Zeus Wallet is one of the best ways um, to use um, your uh, own Lightning node, whether it's on C Lightning, LND, Eclair, or 13 trillion other ways, or maybe only a, a couple other ways. Um, and I, I feel like it's the best one out there. Uh, the team over there is doing a redesign and you know, adding a lot of new features, including NFC. That's gonna be a big thing in El Salvador and other places where it just doesn't make sense or it's a lot more difficult to use a QR code and things like that. Um, okay, um, it, uh, are we having a hard time getting you on stage, Guy? Because it looks like I... I okayed you getting up here, but it's still not making you a speaker. Um, sorry, folks. Uh, Twitter Spaces is always the most uh, fun thing to work through on a technical level here. So please bear with us as we get this going here. Um, but yeah, and uh, our other uh, main thing that we like to shill on this show is uh, Jestifer is one of our other co-hosts um, who is in, involved in a Lightning Network Explorer called Amboss. Um, Amboss.space, it's one of our preferred Lightning Network Explorers around here. Um, they have a lot of features and I think they kind of beat out the uh, competition with all the features they have. So please check that out and use them as your Lightning Network Explorer. Anyway, we, we finally have Guy on stage. How are you uh, doing today, Guy? What's up, man? Doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's it's great to have you on here. Uh, you know, we both had trouble last week. You know, everyone was wondering, hey, what happened to that uh, Lightning Saturday? Lightning Sat, we called it, that we were going to do. But you're having phone issues. <laughs> I was having issues, yeah, so... Yeah, I'm on my uh, new phone now, and I didn't realize I'd never even connected my AirPods to it. So that's why uh, I think it, that's why it was denying me as a speaker. I had no microphone set up. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, guy, just out of uh, just out of curiosity, how did uh, the recovery of all your wallets go? Uh, hit and miss. Um, luckily, <laughs> I, I had a shocking number of wallets that I had set up kind of on the fly. Like, oh, I'm just going to test this thing out. And, you know, I'll move five bucks to it or something. And uh, I did like, you know, I do like a bad backup. Like I do like a screenshot of something, um, which is never a really a good idea if you're actually at risk of losing any funds, because I'm not sure if anybody's seen it now, like on a Mac, like even if you take a screenshot or an image of anything, I've even been able to take like bad, like rough looking images from the internet and you can now just highlight text in them. So you can like highlight text that's like written on the side of a building in a picture just in Mac OS. Um, so, you know, the, the actual images, I mean, the actual text is not hidden because it's in an image. It's still just text according to your computer. Um, but uh, so th they're probably vulnerable anyway. Um, luckily, my main wallet's like, uh, green wallet, uh, breeze breeze was actually super easy because I had a, a backup in 
an encrypted backup in iCloud. Um, so that one just booted right back up. I had to link wallet of Satoshi with my email and there's a 24 hour wait period to relink the account. The one that surprised me was Blue Wallet because Blue Wallet is custodial. Um, I assumed it would be attached to my iCloud so that if I had, I was logged into my iCloud account, it would just show me the same wallet. Um, that has not occurred. I've got 300,000 sats in a blue wallet somewhere that I haven't yet connected. Um, my moon wallet backup, uh, was, that was one of those ones that I don't think I ever actually like seriously backed up. Um, that one, I think I've lost right now until I get the data off my old phone and apparently some component of it. I've got it. I just sent it off to drive savers. It's going to cost me 3300 fucking dollars to get the information off that phone. Uh, I am not happy about that, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, Phoenix Wallet backup was not um, – uh, I, I think I remember thinking that that one was actually in iCloud, but it is not. Um, and that was one, again, that I kind of did on the fly. Um, my big wallets, though, I, I knew I was going to use them, and I was immediately – uh, the backups were really easy, really easy. Uh, green booted right back up. Um, I did have to put in the seed phrase, so I'm probably going to just take everything off of it and refresh it. Um, uh, uh, Breeze wallet was great. Uh, let's see, what else do I got? I have, I have fucking 15 wallets, literally, um, that I'm trying to restore right now. Um, uh, Aqua, I think I have. Sphinx was actually way easier to recover than I thought. I have just a Sphinx backup that I have uh, saved um, in my last pass. Um, that one took forever to sync all the old messages, but it actually did. Um, so it pulled my whole conversation history. Uh, it connected to the node and gave me my balance and all that stuff. So I was really happy with that. I kind of thought Sphinx was, has been a little bit buggy in the past, so I kind of thought that might be an issue. Not, not really. That was really easy. Um, the ones that I got back, I got back really easy. Uh, I'm still, you know, I've still got like four or five, I think, to pull to pull back, and I've probably only got like 400 bucks in total across all the wallets. But um, it's been, you know, it's been a backup recovery process. It's been what it usually is. But um, anything with real funds was safe and pretty damn easy to get back. Sounds like the life of a Bitcoin slash lightning junkie, my friend. <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get started with the actual show here. Um, I'm going to let everyone know the kind of like the overall uh, structure of how we're going to do this. Um, so first, we're kind of going to go through a history of the lightning network so if you you know maybe weren't around weren't into bitcoin in 2017 2018 or even before that um we'll kind of give you a kind of history some you know some of our thoughts you know whatever we might have um and then after that we're going to kind of go into our own personal stories uh chaz evan and guy about their um, Lightning Network kind of onboarding experiences, you know, what those were like, and then hopefully trying to get some people from the audience to share their Lightning Network onboarding stories. Because I think from my perspective, those are very important 
around. Um, and something that I've, I've witnessed in the like year and a half um, that I've been running the Lightning Junkies podcast is sometimes people need inspiration to kind of dip their toes into something that they might see as like overly complicated or kind of having a lot of moving parts. Um, so there's a bit of a social aspect in there. So if you see, if you hear other people tell stories about like, I set up my node, I tried my PTC pay server, what have you, you know, I think those would be very valuable to others to hear. Even if you're a complete newbie that set up your first wallet yesterday, you know, I still think that's a, a valuable story to share with the community and to share with, you know, everyone that will listen um, and to kind of inspire them. And maybe even people that will have never used Lightning or Bitcoin before, maybe it'll get them to try it out for the first time. And then after that, we'll kind of end the show with like a, just a general, like, what do you guys want to talk about, you know, here on stage and everyone out there in the audience here on Twitter spaces and on on YouTube, where we're also streaming our free to ask questions, request speaker privileges at any time. Just let us know, we'll, we'll bring you up, you can ask a question, what have you. All right, so now that all, all that introduction stuff is out of the way, um, we'll go ahead and get started with the earliest thing that I could find for the Lightning Network. There's probably precursors to even some of this stuff, to be entirely honest, but I thought I would keep it within kind of the basic part of the Bitcoin history here. So the first thing that I could find was Satoshi originally put in a uh, sequence number um, into Bitcoin with the idea that um, you could basically advance the sequence of the transaction without showing it to the Bitcoin network. So it would be kind of similar to what L2 would be if any of you guys know what L2 would be offhand. Um, but this whole thing was broken on chain. There was no way to enforce it. Um, and so the idea kind of died before it ever went anywhere. Um, uh, Satoshi talked to Mike Hearn about this very briefly in one email that we saw later on, um, where he was talking about doing high frequency trades off chain. Um, so this was kind of like the first time uh, that someone thought about not, you know, not putting all the, the the transactions on chain. So what do you guys think about this first step here, just to kind of start us out? Well, um, uh, one of the funny things about the Satoshi thing, and he, he actually explaining what a channel would look like, like, like explaining what a payment channel was, um, so early on, uh, I found interesting just because because of how a obvious you know the very first response to Satoshi and the release of the white paper was that this looks like a great idea, but it doesn't scale. It just can't. Um, and how essentially the thinking from the very beginning was how to turn one on-chain transaction into potentially hundreds or thousands of payments. Um, and it's always fascinating to go back to the early like Bitcoin talk forums and things and see how much of these ideas, like all the ideas that we're implementing now aren't even new. You know, like like most of them originate in like the first year of Bitcoin's life. Um, and uh, actually also just a, a funny little tidbit. So the last time we scheduled this, Chaz, was on Lightning Payday, right? 
uh, it was it was that Saturday, and it was the first day of uh, commemorating the first main net payment, actual commerce payment over Lightning. Um, and then uh, today, actually, I'm not sure if you know this. Today's White Paper Day, Lightning White Paper Day. So uh, six years ago today, uh, the Lightning White Paper was released. Nice. I didn't even do that on purpose. We just <laughs> yeah, it was totally random. But I was like, I was looking at my calendar. I was like, oh shit, this is this is White Paper Day, yo. Actually, I think a year previously they had an even earlier version out. So I think this might be seven years of the White Paper. Yeah, that's correct. Um, in our little uh, notes here, it shows uh, in was 2015. Yeah, they released it, and then yep, exactly. So that meant we didn't get onto mainnet for another three years or so, and we're on year four of having it on mainnet, roughly, right? Exactly. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah it was like right at the beginning of 2018 that mainnet went live. <laughs> Amazing. I can't believe it's been that long. It does not feel like four years up at all. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it also goes to show you, like, the complexity of the network. It took uh, quite a long time to take it from, you know, this uh, idea to, you know, something we could use with real Bitcoin. Uh, you know, certainly the gap between the white paper and, and mainnet release was longer than Bitcoin's white paper and uh, first Genesis block. Absolutely. Um, and I, I find it very interesting that, you know, Satoshi was thinking about this very early on and, you know, other people kind of took on this idea of payment channels and kind of iterated over the years before Joseph Poon and uh, Taj Dreija actually even uh, wrote the paper. Um, so it's, it's this stuff's been kind of happening for a very long time even before the paper like obviously the satoshi thing but i the the first payment channel release was in like 2011 um it was kind of broken and kind of trust uh, it was kind of a uh, needed trust but you know it, it was up yeah the um uh it's funny too because like we've kind of gone through a couple of different eras of lightning here i feel like um and for so long like right there at the beginning um uh like kind of this first era i guess 2018 there was this huge growth in the network and it was literally just people spinning up nodes opening up a channel and then just leaving it sit there <laughs> you know so much of the entire network infrastructure was just kind of like this geek toy and there's even still an element of that to this day but there's also real infrastructure there now um i would say probably it feels like we're in maybe like a third era of lightning where we're kind of breaking into the the business era it feels like in comparison to the web i just kind of talked about this on the show uh, i guess last week or something sometime um is it feels like you know that point in the web where it wasn't just nerds playing with things and making and breaking things and trying to make it work but that it became obvious that if you were a business that was looking to grow you should have a website is that it's it's feeling like we're entering that business phase of the lightning network where 
every lightning node, like the majority of lightning nodes need to be treated as businesses, that this is about a network for commerce. And we're just entering the phase where, uh, and analogously of where websites actually have little images on them and they they look blocky and kind of ridiculous, but it's like, oh, it's your web storefront. And uh, in the context of Lightning, we're setting up our location and we're setting up our position on this this global payments network. And so much of this really has been fueled by El Salvador, by the first adoption and the realization of this technology in the real world, in the in the practical world for real payments and real remittances. Um, and it's been this this kind of uh, I guess this explosion into this third era that has happened really, I feel like in the last four months, maybe five months, um, I guess really August, September of this past year was when we seem to just blast through the wall um, has been really crazy. Uh, and that has me absolutely stoked about what I think we're going to see in 2022, because for the most part, people have just been kind of ignoring that lightning is even there. It seems like everybody outside of just Bitcoin, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Like when I was doing the uh, the research on this history yesterday, like I was looking at articles that were, you know, five or six years old. And like you look at the comments or, you know, maybe look at tweets that are that old. And people had such a different opinion about the Lightning Network. It like when's the last time anyone told you the Lightning Network is vaporware? You know, maybe besides some B, B, uh, BSV person that's not even paying attention to it. Like, they, they've they lost that argument to some extent because it just, it, it just, it's there. People can use it. People put over a, a decent amount of value over it. Um, and that, you know, that was one of the early complaints that you can only send, you know, like $5 over it. Um, but I think we're much past that point uh, currently. I think we have much bigger issues than that potentially. But uh, I think a lot of the little stuff that a lot of the kind of anti-Bitcoin or, or just anti-whatever, um, you know, we're 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 uh, poo-pooing, you know, fudding, whatever. And uh, I think it seems like we're going to be kind of continually on this progression where the the ones against the stuff will just have less and less to, you know, to really say. Like during the last year and a half, again, while I've had the podcast, you know, a lot of that early stuff went away where they're complaining about um, routing failures, um, about the, uh, the, the, capacity being fairly low, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now the complaints are turning to more like, oh, you guys have exploits that could be um, uh, used in theory. Aha, lightning sucks. We gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's true, though. Like, you know, the, the fact that the goalposts continue to move um, is uh, uh, is not a negative for lightning. It shows just the opposite that um, they're having to move the goalposts to continue to criticize. Um, and it still obviously has problems. Like, I mean, as someone who uses 15 different wallets just to test them all out, I'll still have one or two give me some sort of a trouble or give me a, I can't fulfill a 300,000 sat payment, even though I have 300,000 sats in my wallet for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's the other person's node has no liquidity. I don't know. Um, and there's not a default uh 
uh, I guess, on-chain backup that's built into all of the code of everybody in the network. There are some that will automatically do it, like Breeze, but that de- determines on you know what's on the other side of that. You know who, she, what wallet are they receiving on? Because then they will open a channel automatically, and I won't have a payment fail. But I don't know. I'm connecting to literally anybody on the Lightning Network, so the conditions could be all sorts of different things. Um, but the fact that I'm, it's funny. There were there was a year and a half ish. 2018, 2019, really into early 2020 almost, um, maybe even maybe a little bit later than that, where it was just kind of normal for payments to fail and to not quite have the liquidity or for a wallet to really just kind of spin and spin and think and pending and then something would go through. Um, and uh, uh, then there, it just kind of started moving in, into a uh, an era, the kind of the second era where things... I was expecting things to work and I would get annoyed when they didn't because it was working. Um, and the, the constant movement of the goalposts, it's just like, again, going back to the web era, it's like, oh, well, your website can't do streaming. It's like, well, no shit. You know, we're, this is a protocol. This is a protocol and we're, we're making, we're prioritizing what really matters. We're prioritizing the, the security, the privacy and the fundamental can I find a path and how do we make this as streamlined as possible and the amount of work that is being done from so many different perspectives. One of the biggest problems we have right now, I feel like, is a lack of standards. Everybody's working on their own solution for it and we don't have the thing that everybody has adopted. So, you know, these six wallets use Ellen URL. These three wallets are using Bolt 12. These, you know, like everybody's trying to figure out, build out the solutions, but we need everything to be interoperable. So we're still in that phase. We're still in the standardization phase of which solution is best, which which solution is going to catch and and basically steamroll through the entire industry. Um, uh, just like just like the standards of any huge network um, has uh, developed. It's a it's a process of trial and error and beating the hell out of things until you come up with a solution on the other end of it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, I think that there's going to be much more experimentation coming in the coming years. Yeah. And things are going to diverge even further. Uh, I think uh, relatively speaking, like the specs or, or the different implementations are like fairly closely aligned minus like uh, Bolt 12. But uh, just the way that Lightning development works, uh, the fact that we don't need, you know, network consensus uh, across uh, the network for some of these features, I think things are going to get a little bit crazier. Um, so that that's definitely going to be a trend in the coming years. Um, you also said like early on you were having problems like making payments uh, because there were just not enough connectivity or you know wallets or infrastructure was not in place. Uh, I think we might start end up swaying to the other side where uh, you know the network is getting too big, and it, it becomes hard to put these routes together. I think that could definitely become a possibility in like five years plus. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. But I think generally speaking, just in 2022, there's so much potential uh, for in- incredible growth and, and initiatives because of a, a number of things. I think number one, from an economic perspective, like globally, um, you know, talking about macroeconomics. Uh, because of all the money that's been pumped into the system uh, because of COVID and uh, you know uh, the relief, uh, we might see like crazy runaway asset inflation. 
risk. And uh, this might help contribute to uh, this Bitcoin cycle sort of breaking its trend where we would traditionally see, uh, you know, the, the markets top off in, in January uh, at the latest, uh, you know, that might extend well into the year and uh, might give Bitcoin and Lightning extra legs. Uh, obviously, El Salvador is a really big, uh, you know, catalyst for a lot of the growth we've seen in the last year. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of uh, interesting pushes from, I guess, some of the, the cutting edge companies we see now, like Cash App implementing Lightning is pretty huge, despite it being sort of uh, in A-B testing and only for iOS users. I, I think the importance of that is definitely understated as uh, that's just, you know, one hop away from us seeing Lightning being accepted as payment at Square Terminals. Uh, which are already fluttered, uh, you know, across the United States. I see them, you know, uh, pretty much every other week, I would say, when I'm out about. And it, I think it would be amazing to take my wallet and be able to pay uh, like a meat space merchant with Lightning. Uh, that would be incredible. Uh, but then, you know, we also have uh, the big incumbent payment processors like Visa and MasterCard who uh, are, you know, are pretty set on accepting maybe not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, more largely. And, uh, you know, I think they might not have the best way of facilitating that, but uh, they could easily be influenced by, by Square to go a certain direction. And, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense to have lightning payments, uh, you know, done with QR code and NFC. And I think that's going to become a, standard so uh you know with stuff like that and you know all these new startups and lightning uh laying down incredible infrastructure i would say if we're going to go back to the web analogy we're sort of in the you know companies being built in the garages in the basements era of uh of lightning and bitcoin and uh you know the next uh, googles and microsoft's of uh you know, this technology, uh, they're, they're just being made right now. And they're made by small teams that are still putting together the pieces. And, uh, you know, it's it's an exciting, exciting time. Uh, we don't know exactly who's going to come up on top, which projects are going to be successful, which are going to be duds. Uh, but those those companies that are going to be the big players, the, the big powerhouses, they're being built right now. Definitely. No, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, there's something funny that that, that you brought up <clears throat> that uh, um, uh, had me thinking about a conversation I had not too long ago um, with somebody about this. Um, arguing as a as a shit coiner. Um, I mean, you know, amiably, um, but arguing nonetheless about the uh, quote unquote scaling limitations of Lightning. Uh, and you were talking about how, like, we're very likely getting into the point or getting close to the point where Lightning may get so large that an individual node will need uh, significant resources to basically hold the routing table, right? You know, like my local router on, like, my internet router does not hold the routing table for the whole freaking internet. I hold, it holds, like, kind of a very small regional position and then uses... Uh, leverages, you know, larger servers and routers further out to basically build the rest of the path um, uh, on your router's path. And, uh, and I think, you know, basically that, that this sort of routing is something 
we think we, we I mean, it's, it's how the Internet routes traffic. Um, and, uh, you know, when you ping Google or whatever in California, you're you're looking at like what? 10 hops, 12 hops, depending on your situation. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the funny thing about that is, is this was actually used as a criticism against lightning is that, oh, you're not going to be able to run a node you know, super like fully sovereign or whatever, because now you have to hold these routing tables to do your own routes. And obviously we have trampoline routing and like all of these other things to help uh, extend that as far as possible. And uh, all sorts of different little privacy tricks to try to maintain a degree of separation when using those. But regardless, just conceptually, I thought it was so funny that this guy is saying, the routing table is going to get so big because the payment network is going to be so large that you can't do this on a Raspberry Pi, you know, that you need like a serious machine to be a serious node. And I'm like, dude, you're you're literally arguing that the routing table that is necessarily an order of magnitude less resources than having to hold the whole fucking blockchain is going to be a scaling limitation while arguing that everybody should hold the whole damn blockchain. You're saying that all of this should be on chain because Lightning, even though it's a 100x less resource cost to hold a routing table rather than every transaction that has ever happened ever. You know, like it's, it, I just thought it was hilarious. The, the cognitive dissonance is, is... It's painful. It hurts so bad. I'm like, dude. And, and that's just why, argued. like... I, I mean, there, there are times and places for it, but I largely think that our critics outside of the space are not even worth engaging with at this point. I mean, uh, you know, there's a difference between like someone who might be shitcoining and sort of trying to learn about Bitcoin where you should try to, you know, uh, be cordial with and, and try to be polite with. But, you know, when you're, you're talking about trolls and like diehards of uh you know, stuff like BSV, which is just completely nonsensical, most of the infrastructure of which is hosted on AWS. It's just like not even worth engaging. There's so many bigger problems and, and better critiques that, uh, you know, I can't even find the, the time to engage with uh, some of these people. Like it's not worth engaging with the Paul Krugmans of the world. It's not worth engaging with, uh, by and large, many of the, you know, POW is evil environmental people. Uh, and it's it's not worth engaging with uh, most of those scaling, you know, other side of the, the scaling debate shitcoiners. Uh, yeah. We have much bigger issues on our plate. And, uh, you know, we know we're in the right. Um, and, uh, you know, we got to we got to make the, the rest of our uh, our system work smoothly because, uh, you know, it's more important to, to find ways to make sure this thing can get into the hands of billions of people rather than uh, be right on the internet uh, for, yeah. you know, for <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely a time cost that return on investment is not going to be um, uh, what uh, any, any, like you could just go spend 10 minutes just reading about Bitcoin or learning, testing out some new app and you're going to get orders of magnitude more output and productive value out of it than arguing with a shit corner. But it's just so funny to me. Like how could somebody like, like what do you have to do? Like what do you have to purposefully and very, very deliberately not think about to basically argue that if everybody is riding on buses and we're packing the highways and the streets as tightly as possible, basically arguing that there's going to be a point where 
oh, you've got too many buses on the street and now things are going to be like, you know, there's going to be really bad congestion. Therefore, you should use my shitcoin where everybody drives their own car by themselves. And like that's essentially the argument is that compression is going to reach a limit. Therefore, you should not compress anything and that will make all the traffic just suddenly vanish and none of these trade-offs exist. Um, but uh, as soon as you said that, I was just like that popped into my head because I was giggling about that for like three days after. It's like, how do you, how do you, like, are you, can you think? Like, are you thinking at all when you do this? Or are you just looking for, there's, oh, I found a criticism. Therefore, I'm just going to repeat that over and over and over again. And I will try my best not to think about what it even means. <laughs> yeah. All I mean, right. it's going to be just really interesting figuring out that those routing issues as we go on over time. I mean, yeah. it's going to be curious to see how much of that is going to mimic DNS where we have different levels, right? Like, I, I like doing the analogy where you're like, okay, how do I get to, uh, I'm trying to go to, the pizza shop downtown Manhattan from, you know, uh, Pennsylvania or something, you got to ask the top level, okay, how do I get to New York? Uh, how do I get to the city? How do I get, to, uh, you know, this pizza spot? And it's answered by all these different servers. But um, yeah, I, all I know is that we have really bright minds working on these problems and uh, you know, we're thinking about them in advance and I'm confident we could come up with ways where, uh, you know, there's trust minimized and, uh, working in a way sort of comparable to how the web works today. Yeah, and I'm I'm really happy with the progress and the direction so far. The the basically kind of step function improvements that we've seen in the past four years have been so promising, and then some of the uh, incredibly clever schemes. And because it's also a familiar problem, right? You know, routing. Like I said, routing isn't new. Um, uh, it's it's such a similar infrastructure that we can. Uh, we can apply so many lessons we've learned from the internet and know which directions not to go. Um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm just stoked. I think I continue to see this improve and I continue to see, um, uh, basically my normal everyday use of it is it works. It works. And I've just been, I've, I've loved it and I can't wait to see what you were just talking about. If, if square and cash app adopt this and I can actually use this, man, having any fiat outside of looking, praying for red candles to buy and get more sats, um, uh, is going to feel stupid. I mean, God, dealing with anything with the bank, like when I get out of Bitcoin and I go back to quote unquote legacy world, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by how slow and annoying and, unbelievably uncustomer friendly you know like it's just a horrible system and i'm just like fuck can't somebody just trade me some bitcoin to do this thing so that i don't have and, to and we have it and we have it relatively good <laughs> in the web but uh um, right you know just, just just to bring things all, all the way back in i know we got to hop back onto the history chaz we're, we're sorry we went all off the rails sorry, that you're good crazy it's, it's bad. Um, here let me i, I think let me go ahead and do this thing, real fast the, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, la- last thing before we bring it back in I think the other thing that we're always constantly overlooking is when we're thinking about solving these problems is that we have a new way of making micropayments and making, uh, you know, minuscule transactions that we could never have done before. And that could be a great driver for solving a lot of these problems. If you're a, perhaps like a, a routing lookup table and, you know, people could pay you a sat to do a lookup or, you know, even a millisat, um, you know, now we have the infrastructure uh, to, to, to do that. Like that was not previously possible. So I, I'm thinking that, you know, the lightning network 
in his very nature is going to help facilitate, uh, you know, a lot of the solutions to the problems that we come across. So very much looking forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seconded. All right. So we're, we're going to hit back to the history here. So um, <laughs> let's time travel all the way back to the year 2013. Um, and uh, in 2013, this is before SegWit. So um, I'm not sure how many of you guys were around in 2013. So we'll assume that some non-zero part of our audience here are, are, are new to Bitcoin and new to the Lightning Network. Maybe they joined in 2017, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so in uh, 2013, um, something that you might that might have happened is um, ha- happened to me a couple times is I had the uh, mycelium wallet back then, and you know I would do my normal Bitcoin transactions, and then I would look later, and there would be like a weird transaction in the wallet, and it was a, a, a someone playing games with the transaction ID because back before SegWit transaction malleability was a thing and essentially it made it so that you could mess around and basically create the same transaction ID for a different transaction or maybe I'm messing that up slightly but regardless it made it so you couldn't be confident in a situation like the lightning network Um, and so it was kind of untenable as a um, scaling solution but even that being the case in uh, 2013 um, someone from the uh, Bitcoin dev mailing list um, basically tried to make a kind of basic version of the penalty transaction that Lightning Network has now, um, where you know you would you would have some amount you would make a deposit, um, and then you would do a second deposit in order to withdraw essentially. Um, but because transaction malleability was a thing, um, then the counterparty would be able to hold those um, funds hostage um, and w- was obviously suboptimal to the Lightning Network. Um, I don't know if anyone actually ever used um, those channels, but uh, they uh, definitely um, existed there. Um, so maybe that'll be the next topic. Um, here is, you know, in 2013, we had something that suffered from transaction malleability. In 2015, we had another uh, payment channel implementation, um, but it was um, more resistant to the uh, malleability problem because uh, we had uh, op uh, CLTV, which is, I can't remember if that's a uh, check. Do you guys happen to know what CLTV is? I can't remember off the top of my head. Check lock time. Lock time. Lock time. Thank you. Um, and, you know, made that uh, less of an issue. Um, but when uh, Poon and Dryja come together in their uh, payment channel paper, they made some improvements. And um, among those improvements were locking um, the Bitcoin into a two a two multi-sig, um, amongst other things. So like that'll be our topic for the moment here is kind of the progression of kind of payment channels and how uh, transaction malleability um, was such a big issue early on in the kind of lightning network. I'm, I'm not sure spec process would really count because kind of that happened later, but in the kind of uh, building out the design framework or like the idea, et cetera. 
Yeah, so this in a lot of ways is like the first uh, real t- smart contract. I mean, if you want to consider just multiple uh, multi-sig wallets as a smart contract, I wouldn't really say. But this is when you could take that multi-sig and uh, add those time restraints, those time locks that make the Lightning Network uh, actually work. Um, the fact that you're you're able to stake in, for lack of a better term, funds into uh, these agreements with the counterparty. Uh, yeah, th- this was foundational to making LN work. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just for uh, anybody who doesn't know what transaction malleability was, um, actually, as I understood it, there was um, I was having a conversation with one of the developers, and uh, they're um, and typically. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Peter Todd. Um, but uh, uh, he was angry at me for not being ex- very, very specific or precise in my explanation. So uh, I'll, for uh, fear of uh, making them angry, I'll say this is very, very loose. <laughs> but apparently there's like multiple different versions of transaction malleability. But the general idea is that um, um, particularly if you're like in a multi-sig arrangement where – there in a sense there is a degree of shared trust um where you're it's not custodial with the other person because they can't really do anything without your explicit say without your explicit signature but you want to be able to quickly and very low cost very low resource costs look at the network and look at transaction ids coming in of transactions that are on chain or being broadcast to the mempool and you want to know if they're relevant to you and the malleability idea or the vulnerability was that you could actually modify a since transaction id is a hash right you could add any arbitrary data to it and rehash it and it would still be valid but it would be completely different like i could take a whole book and just add one extra space at the end and hash it again and the hash from the previous one they would look absolutely nothing alike even though it's the exact same book everything, all the other data checks out. Nobody changed any sentences or whatever. I changed something completely arbitrary by just adding a space at the end. Well, essentially, that's what it is with transaction malleability, is that I have a ID that I'm explicitly looking for, like a receipt number for a transaction that would be relevant to my channel. And someone could actually add, you know, like a little extra space, or they could modify something in some arbitrary way that the ID would completely change but the, the, all the transaction information would be exactly the same. So they could essentially broadcast it, and there's a possibility that I might not see it, or I might not know that it's relevant to me if I'm just watching for the ID. Um, and so that, uh, that was a huge step in just the whole payment channel idea of just how could you have uh, a very lightweight, uh, low-resource way to securely know that you're not being contested, that you could watch the court of Bitcoin, uh, the decentralized global court of Bitcoin, and know that you absolutely, even if you're not running a full, full node with every single one and you're not checking your own database, but you're just watching for new transactions and know that you're not being contested, um, that you shouldn't have to go to the court to do anything. Um, And if somebody could, then you know that causes significant problems in the the threat model of Bitcoin or of uh, excuse me of Lightning, not Bitcoin. Um, and uh, but when 
the Joseph Poon and Dreja, um the white paper was released, I really think the um, major innovation, if I'm not mistaken, that was quote unquote the lightning network that turned it from the, the original idea of Satoshi and all the very earliest people who worked on it of a payment channel into a full network was the idea of linking them together was the idea of bridging from my channel to Evan's channel to Chaz's channel to Starbucks so that I could pay Starbucks um, and uh, linking them in such a way that nobody actually had to go back to chain Um, and it's it's just really cool to see um, you know so it's like looking at the history of the internet and stuff all these seemingly minor improvements but that were huge fundamental shifts in how just the structure of it worked how the security of it worked and you know 30 years later it's obvious but you look at this thing and it's like how many moving pieces had to be figured out um and recombined and reshifted uh and I, i think it's just exciting to be here when lightning is still in that phase when we're still seeing these like these baby steps that have order of magnitude kind of improvements to the very concept of it. And we're watching this. We got to watch this. This is four years old, man. In 2008, it was born. Like, what is lightning going to look like in 20 years? We're, we're literally at the beginning of this thing. I don't know. It's just, it's exciting. I love, it's so cool to think that we're here getting, getting to watch all this shit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just that much of a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I so you know we had we had transaction malleability back then. You know they wrote the paper in 2015, like we mentioned. They improved it in 2016. Um, the next big uh, news item of worth that I could find after that was the first lightning transaction, not on Bitcoin, but it was on Litecoin um, because at at that point, uh, Litecoin had already uh, um, uh, had SegWit at that point. So they had already solved that transaction malleability thing and were able to kind of test it. So they were using C lightnings, uh, Implement implementation back then, um, and I guess they kind of wanted to do a test on Litecoin, you know, rather than test it with real Bitcoin. Let's go, you know, see if we can burn some Litecoin or whatever. Um, and you know that was successful. So that was in May of 2017. Um, Bitcoin ended up getting SegWit in uh, August of 2017. Um, as I'm sure most people here are aware, uh, we were also dealing with uh, Bitcoin Cash, and we're also dealing with uh, damn it, what's what's that other one? The uh, the corporate takeover hard fork as well. Uh, 1x bitcoin 1x um you talking about segwit 2x segwit 2x thank you yeah yeah um thank you guys um and so there was a lot of noise at that point in in that uh in fall of 2017 um and i feel like not a lot of people i mean i think a fair amount of people knew that segwit was very important and i think that was at least partially the reason why we had a run a run up um you know, later on in the winter, um, because there was so much excitement. You know, we kind of we won over the uh, the, the corporate takeover, the the bit pays of the world, um, and you know we got Segwit in. We didn't hard fork. Um, you know, uh, we had the. Uh, 
what is that? Uh, man, my brain is just dog shit today. Um, <laughs> wait, what was the uh, the uh, um, Luke uh, Dasher uh, helped to push this through back then? Um, or was it someone else? But it was the uh, the BIP 148, I think. Um, One, the, are you talking about user activated software? Yes, man. Thank you so much, man. Oh, Sorry, yes. I'm like dying on stage here. <laughs> yeah, there was a. Uh, it actually wasn't. It wasn't Luke. I think Luke was actually supporting it. Most of the developers were actually kind of at arm's length about it. But there was um, there was a new developer which was suspected that they were an old developer, but just wanting to do this anonymously. Um, what well, was like? It was like pirate something. What was the developer name? Wasn't um, it Shyland Fry? Shaolin, Shaolin Fry, that's right, thank you, um, released the user-activated soft fork as a, you know, calling a bluff of the the corporate, the attempt of uh, making the corporate version of Bitcoin, um, which was essentially an earmark. Um, it was like, uh, it was like, okay, we recognize that everybody has consensus on SegWit, um, and we recognize that even the people who are viciously against it are essentially only against it because they want a hard fork, which, and and they were kept positioning it as if this was some sort of a compromise that they would force everybody who didn't want a hard fork to hard fork, but they would give them SegWit, which is like, what's the fucking point of doing a soft fork if you're going to force a hard fork? You know, like it was, it, it was either completely disingenuous, which I think it was, or it was complete incompetence to even understand the argument that um, the the hardcore Bitcoiners were actually making and the development community was making about the risk here. Um, and what they did was they they said, okay, it's fine. There's consensus on SegWit. We will, com- we will give you SegWit as if it was their choice to give us what, um, what we had consensus on. We will give you SegWit but you will swallow our hard fork at the same time. And that was SegWit 2X, is we're going to take over, we're going to push to a new client, we're going to fire the developers, which is not which is not uh, hyperbole. They explicitly said it. Like there were unbelievable rants on like Reddit and stuff says, all these fucking developers need to know their place and it's time we fire all of them. And, uh, and they were going to, Coinbase was going to, solve the problem they were going to fix it and they were going to make the new bright and shiny corporate bitcoin and the the most hilarious thing about it was that they threw all this money at it and they got the one developer um mike hearn um uh to do all this and literally even even after capitulating even finally realizing that user activated software had won and we'd called their bluff basically saying okay fuck it do your fork do your fork we're not going we're not going. We are going to make sure that when you fork, we will not recognize it. We're not going there. We don't care. You, okay, you boast you have 90% of the uh, miners. Who gives a shit? We'll have, we'll have an hour and 30-minute blocks. I don't care. Um, we'll wait. We'll wait. You're going to burn through money on a shit coin. Go ahead. And that was the user-activated software. That was the bluff. That was the, the battle. And it's so crazy. Like People think now that it was just kind of this given. No, it felt like the end of days. You know, back in 2017, it was like, shit, this might it. This might be it. We might die. If we can't get through this, what the hell's going to happen? Um, but the most hilarious thing about all of it was that the corporate SegWit 2X shitcoin could not produce a block. That for all their posturing, for all their we're going to fix it, for all their we know what's good for Bitcoin, 
they literally couldn't make a client that could even produce blocks. They never got it off the ground. It would have been the biggest embarrassment in Bitcoin history had it actually gone through. But luckily, uh, uh, luckily we had enough individual nodes and uh, user-activated soft workers to give them the middle finger and say, all right, let's test this game theory. Let's see what happens. Um, it was a pretty epic time, though. It was incredible. So, um, yeah, at, it was 2017 at consensus when they put together the New York agreement and, uh, pretty much like a whole group of in- incumbent, like major companies in the space, at least at the time had signed this agreement stating their support of the Segwit, uh, 2X fork, the, the Segwit two megabyte proposal. Mm-hmm. And, and it was massive. It was like players like Abra, Bitcoin.com, Bitfury, BitGo, Bitmain, BitPay, the blockchain.com website, uh, Circle, uh, I think uh, maybe even Ledger. Uh, it's huge. You could look up the whole list online. I believe the original blog post is still up on like Medium or something. Um, but like it was like a really uh, fortuitous uh, list of adversaries that we were stacked up against. And despite this all, uh, I would say we came out triumphant uh, with, uh, you know, the better version of Bitcoin. And, you know, this this sort of cataclysm of an event was sort of um, foundational to like where we are today. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a key part in Bitcoin history and understanding the game theory, understanding how. I hate calling it governance because it's not governance, but how um, how the security model of Bitcoin works. Um, and uh, uh, it was such a crazy, crazy time to see it play out, especially because like Shaolin Fry and like everybody on Reddit and everything, we were openly talking about it. You know, it's not as if it was hidden. We were literally, you could just have this open conversation and allow the quote unquote enemy to read your strategy but it didn't change the outcome of the strategy, right? Is that you could say, it's like, listen, they have these are miners. They get paid for what they do. If they can't broadcast to our network, if we run nodes and we refuse to accept their shitcoin transactions of this new fork, they essentially have cost. The nodes don't. We can wait indefinitely and watch them burn through money. They think they run it, but they don't. They depend on the network to broadcast and accept their transactions. We are the validators, right? Um, so there was this crazy stalemate. Um, and not to shill an audiobook that I did, but I'm going to shill an audiobook uh, is the Block Size Wars. I don't make any money if you buy the audiobook, no. by the way. I'm not like, um, I don't really have like a referral link or something. I just got paid to do the audio. Um, but the Block Size Wars is a critical, like, it's a prerequisite to. Uh, I feel like a understanding Bitcoin, but to such an important part of Bitcoin history. Um, and also in the, just the model of how to see this thing going forward. How does this thing scale? Is the lightning network, the path forward? Is it, is that the one that, you know, do we stay in consensus or do we just have it that the big businesses just get together? Like, like Evan said, like it was a hell of a list of people to, um, to basically, fight against essentially yeah, like it looked including like including Bitmain which was like the biggest manufacturer of ASICs at the time like it yeah. was it was insane you know like it felt like every major institution in Bitcoin had like turned against its users they're like fuck it let's just compromise on the the 
the principles of Bitcoin. Let's go against what's the best interests of the users just to be able to keep propping up our, our, our own business interests. It was despicable. And I, I don't think anyone should ever forget. Yeah. Yeah. Crit- critical thing to know. It's like, it's like, you know, Texas always has that attitude of like, this is Texas. Texas is the best country in the United States, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, and they have that like vicious independence. And there's that, remember the Alamo, like the culture that that history produces, um, like Bitcoin has that history. And I think it's critical to understand that culture and where that came from so that we don't lose that because I think we'll have these tests again um, in the not too distant future. I think, I hope it's not another user activated software. You know, I hope it's not like another, um, uh, I mean, well, maybe, maybe that is what I hope it is because we won um, and I want to win again, but it's still just, uh, uh, we're going to have battles. Like this is this is an adversarial network, and we should expect adversaries. Um, so uh, uh, it's interesting and and a critical part of the history. I think it's I think you can't really understand what Bitcoin is if you don't if you don't know what the block size wars was and uh, how and why it played out the way it did. One small uh, correction: there, it was not Mike Hearn; it was Jeff. Uh, Garzik or Gazik or whatever. Oh, Garzik, Garzik. That's right. Hearn had already rage quit by then. Thank you. Yep. In 2016. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, we ended up getting SegWit in August of 2017. Um, by, I think, all accounts, you know, the, you know, Bitcoin won over Bitcoin Cash, won over that the uh, the corporate takeover in that sense. You know, if we talk about Bitcoin Cash, it's like they've been trending downwards pretty much ever since. You know, um, I've heard stories from many Bitcoiners who, you know, sold that fork for a lot of money and then it's never hit that same amount again. Um, even though Bitcoin has, you know, uh, from 2017, practically 10x, if not more. So it's a pretty big indictment, I think. And that's not even bringing in uh, BSV, which happened the next year. So I'm going to relent because that has nothing to do with us here. So um, let's keep on going. Um, so like you mentioned before, Guy, uh, uh, the first uh, mainnet transaction happened in January of uh, 2018. I actually found some articles that said that it happened in December. So I, I don't know if they're complete bullshit or not, but there I found some that said someone hacked um, – a uh, testnet client and actually got the first mainnet transaction in December. I have no way of verifying that at this point, obviously, but um, that's what I was able to find. Um, So um, if you guys remember back then as well, uh, the people that were actually starting to use uh, Lightning Network back in January or even December, if that was true, were were considered reckless. LND had their release, I guess, and called it, I'm not sure if it was LND or or CL Lightning that called it reckless, but I think it was LND. Please correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone remembers, but uh, that was that was the feel at that moment, because when when uh, that first mainnet transaction happened, there was no static backups yet. So everyone getting into it were just being kind of dumb, really, um, especially with some of the people that were mentioned here in a moment that put, you know, way more money on it than just like a hundred bucks or whatever they said that you should put on there or whatever amount you're willing to lose, I guess. Um, 
so yeah, it was a very early time, a very awkward time. Um, like I remember trying to get into it and just feeling completely overwhelmed. And so I probably ended up waiting until later on in 2018 to actually get in myself. Um, it was in uh, basically in July of that year. I'm not sure if you guys ever heard about this happening, but um, a guy named a uh, Andreas Brecken a uh, guy that runs shitcoin.com um, uh, basically, you know, wanted to put Lightning Network through it, through, it, through its paces and, you know, just put like a quote unquote, for, for that time, it kind of seems like, like a small amount now, but basically doubled the amount of Bitcoin on the Lightning Network by putting 30 BTC onto the network and having like half of the channels on the entire network um, and kind of put it through its paces and pretty much said that it sucked and said that it needed a lot of work and, you know, he'll have to come back later and see if it's, you know, improved at all. Um, but that was kind of the, the feeling in 2018 that this was like a, a new, a, a newborn baby and we needed to, to take extreme care of it. And maybe it was too much of a pain in the ass at that point. What do you guys think? Without a doubt, it was, uh, like I say, I, I describe it or think of it at, at least as the first era of the Lightning Network when basically every single, like more than half the nodes at least were purely experimental. Like I I even spun up a, just a node on Terminal like probably like May 2018 I think was the first time I did it um, and I had kind of beat around the bush at that point but I like I spun it up I opened like three channels and then just had it off like like I just had offline channels <laughs> so anybody who was you know trying to use me as routing like it was literally like half the network was just kind of unresponsive um, because people were just doing it to experiment I feel like a lot like I was um, and when I would even when I did boot it up like a few weeks later, be like, shit, I've got to just, I can't just leave this here, you know? Like, I have to think of this differently. Um, I would get up and my channels, my channel partners would be offline. It's like, oh, well, this is kind of useless. Um, and uh, so it took a long time to get, I mean, it even talk, took a long time before there was like a basic, a really standard kind of backup. Um, and even, even now, backup still, I feel like, need a, uh, uh, there's still something important to work on. Like they still need improvements, but um, like I said, even with some of the wallets and stuff that I have, I've been kind of impressed um, just in like the mobile environment of how, uh, how easy it was to get a number of my uh, main wallets back. Um, so I'm happy with that. Um, but uh, I have yet to have to do that with like my BTC pay server node, um, which I do have backups of, and I, I tend to do probably every other day, I download a manual channel, channel backup. But I don't know what that looks like if I have to boot that from scratch. And, and maybe I should just test it one day. Maybe I should just kind of take the risk, uh, do a fresh channel backup, and then just wipe the thing. Because I don't know, I've done that a couple times with some hardware wallets and stuff. And it makes me feel good when I everything comes back and like I'm good. Um, because I feel like I have one extra step of knowing how this thing works. Um, but sure, 2018, early 2019, the the kind of, the idea of the network as like an actual payment network that you could use was a bit of a joke. It was, it was the testing phase, you know, it was, it was alpha. It wasn't even beta really <laughs> in, in some contexts. So. 
It was truly was reckless. And and guy, uh, when you're trying to do your recovery, maybe you should try with some test net <laughs> because uh, you know even now if you're going to try to like do a full uh, channel state recovery, uh, you know it's still a little a little hairy, and uh, mm-hmm. you know it goes to show like the challenges of being in this environment where where the state of everything isn't just a hot wallet. Uh, so that that was like a real uh, sort of paradigm shift going to lightning, uh, whereas your wallets could stay in this cold state when you were interacting on chain, like you would have like a, you know, a hardware wallet backup or put it on a seed plate that never touched the web. When you came on the lightning, uh, your keys had to be exposed to the web and uh, the dynamics were you know, completely turned on their head. And and like you said, we still don't have like uniform ways of doing these channel backups across wallets. Uh, you can't move your channel state across implementations and even moving from one host to another can uh, be a bit hairy, uh, despite it not being, uh, you know, too hard. Um, so yeah, just, just, all, just a lot of things change there and, and a lot of things to keep in mind. And yes, yeah, still a lot of things that we need to improve upon. Yeah. I'm curious, um, uh, your thoughts on this, actually, uh, either one of you or anybody actually listening, if you think you got an answer. Um, but, uh, do you think, um, so L2 that Chaz mentioned just a little while ago, um, which is E L T O O is a play on, you know, the idea of layer two, but, uh, uh, that basically backups work very, very differently with L2 versus the normal, like the, the current, mechanism of lightning um and uh i'm i'm curious we're still a ways out i think we still need another soft fork for l2 actually um uh the uh, any previous out i believe any prep out um but uh i'm, I'm curious is there any discussions is there even a model for sort of a hierarchical um backup process where you only have to do it periodically rather than need every single channel state and it can actually be recovered um uh incrementally in a sense um much like you know like the higher uh, hierarchical higher hierarchically deterministic wallets in bitcoin was was it 2013 i think when that when that dropped that was a huge deal that was a huge deal like you had to you basically had to back up wallets like you have to back up lightning now um, you every time you made like a new transaction or you made new addresses, you had to make new backups um, because uh, because you couldn't regenerate them. And uh, and when HD wallets came out, that was I remember that being like, wow, that's fucking great. I can just write down a seed phrase and I don't ever have to back up my wallets again. I had so many folders of like dot dat wallet files. It was ridiculous, and I had them dated I, like just like a whole. Hodges, it was absurd, and that's a little bit what Lightning feels like now. I'm making dated backups and regularly doing this for my one main node that I'm actually worried about losing. Um, and uh, uh, I'm curious: do you think there is a is there even like a path for hierarchically deterministic, or is it, um, uh, or is it basically we just wait until any prev out and L2 becomes the the replacement model that obviously has a very, very different uh, mechanism and obviously much simpler. Yeah, so I think the main thing with L2 is there's no harm in 
publishing an old state like you don't get yeah. penalized yeah. so that's the first and foremost thing as far as doing things like hierarchically hierarchically deterministically uh I don't think so. Uh, I would have to see, uh, I, I think Christian Decker laid out like what they could look like in the future, but I, I don't think it includes that. Um, as far as backups today, um, I think that on an application level, we could still make a lot of great strides to making things more uniform. And I think the, the best thing I've seen so far is at least in the alpha versions of Blue Wallet, that's using uh, RNLDK or, or Rust Lightning to power their stuff. I, I believe what they're doing, the strategy is they take the seed, right? And you back up your seed like you would any other Lightning wallet. And then furthermore, your channel backups get pushed to the cloud or whatever your, your cloud of choice is. And that backup is also encrypted using the same seed that uh, you use for the on-chain Lightning wallet. So um, I think that could oh, that's be, really cool. That's great. That could be, that's like a really smart way of doing it. Uh, obviously, with these different wallets, on, especially on mobile, they have like different uh, architecture as to how the wallets are, are work. You know, like something like Blue Wallet today is just like a custodial thing, and uh, there's different key models in the different wallets. Like for example, Moon is like a two of two with the Moon company. Um, so like that wouldn't necessarily like apply to all wallets but i, I think as far as uh you know nodes that i mean wallets have the nodes on device that have the channel state uh that require channel backups and in this current paradigm pre-l2 um you know I, I think using the seed as uh an encryption uh secret is the way to go so Man, um talking about talking about like ways to leverage the technology that you have to fix the problems of the technology um, is like, that's such a great, that's such a great one because uh, one of the things that I love about this, and this is what I was talking about with John Carvalho when we were talking about slash tags and what they're doing with synonym um, is the beauty, like kind of the, the holy grail of the cypherpunk dream was everybody has a public private key pair. And now we have that. So leverage it. Right. Um, and what's funny is if I had an encrypted backup, like a channel backup that was encrypted with my seed phrase, I would have absolutely no qualms of paying a watchtower, uh, you know, 10 sats a day to just store the backup for me. Like if it's encrypted with my seed, then I know if my lightning wallet isn't vulnerable, like isn't compromised, then neither is my backup, you know? Um, like, and leverage, leverage the lightning network to to uh, uh make to make those backups or do it like a service just like uh a blue wallet you know and there's a degree of i, I could have that shit in my iCloud. and again if it's encrypted with a seed phrase I don't, i'm not trusting the app i don't have to care that it, it's over there it's encrypted it's it's encrypted with my actual payment my, my private key um so that's that's cool no that's a great that's a great fucking idea yeah it's it's just amazing to see like how creative people can get and, and sort of using this sort of same ethos of like, okay, all you need is a private key pair. You know, we, we've seen people sign messages using Bitcoin private keys that got extended to lightning um, pub priv keys for your ID. Uh, and that even got extended to do sort of all sorts of crazy stuff with LNURL and doing LNURL off. So um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see John's uh, help spin up that company and, and we're excited to see 
what stuff like slash tags can do. Um, you know, like ideally you should only have like one private key pair that, that can do everything, but, uh, you know, that that's easier said than done. Like we only just were able to figure out how to sign GitHub commits with PGP keys like this last year, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as you could say like, Oh, why don't we just do this? Like, you know, under the hood, uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but, uh, you know, I, I at least, uh, really appreciate Conceptually, the yeah, I mean, yeah, especially, uh, doing it, uh, in, in a way that we're not compromising things or, or, putting trust, uh, unnecessarily in, in third parties. Uh, yeah, it's extra tricky. Yeah. Implementation is, is not as easy as just saying it. <laughs> you know, one of the things, uh, just, just since we brought up L2, um, is, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. That's, that's such a cool thing to, um, uh, for backups and, and streamlining the process because, uh, um, or streamlining, I guess, the experience, uh, because you know, like right now with Lightning, you have asymmetric backups, meaning <clears throat> you essentially have a backup that your counterparty has signed, and they have a backup that you have signed, uh, and they're essentially opposites of each other. Where I'm, mine, mine denotes the instructions to punish them, and they've signed it so that I trust them, and they have the one that punishes me, and I've signed it so they trust me. Um, whereas, uh, and you have to keep that for every individual state. So every time a payment goes through, you need a new, you need a new backup essentially. Um, whereas L2 is sequential. So if I have backup number eight, sequential and symmetric. So if I have backup number eight and they have backup number 10, number 10 just invalidates eight. It just replaces it. But at the same time, we are also holding the exact same backup. So, uh, if I, even if I lose my backup, and, and this would be a situation where I would t- essentially have to trust my counterparty, um, but I've lost my backup, so I, I'm going to have to trust somebody or I have stored it somewhere or I've used a, a watchtower or whatever the hell I want to use. But I could actually just request from, like let's say I've got a channel with BitRefill. I trust BitRefill. That's why I have a channel with them anyway. Um, I could just ask BitRefill, dude, what's our latest state? And they'll just send it to me and we're, we'd kick right off and just go right back where we were. Um, and that's just really exciting to see, uh, you know, the different, all the different paths that we have to, to, to solve these problems uh, going forward. And we already have like the next four or five iterations. It's just that painful and slow problem of implementation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a lot, lot happening. Alrighty. So, um, something else, the next big news, uh, piece that happened after 2018, I'm sure a lot of people remember is the lightning torch. So, um, something like, so like you were mentioning guy, like we've been going through different phases of the lightning network and maybe 2019 started to kind of exit that kind of alpha era or that kind of testing era and entered more of a kind of, you know, like 
startups go through that phase where they're in their growth phase and they're looking to kind of test their product and to get as many kind of hands touching it and trying to break it as possible. So, I mean, that's testing, I guess, but technically I think we wanted even more people in there and try to, to break it even more. Cause like you, you, you kind of need real numbers for a network like this. You can't, you know, say, Oh, there's a hundred people on it. And like, let's stress test it. Like, I don't, I don't think that makes sense. We need to, you know, try to get millions of people on here if possible and see if we can, you know, break this thing um, or hopefully not break it. But, you know, what I mean there. So um, if you don't know what Lightning Torch was, it was um, Hold a Knot, uh, Fart Face, <laughs> and some other people uh, who who thought it was like a good idea to kind of show the fun nature of like the Lightning Network. Um, so, you know, like something that, that I remember, not to digress too much here, but um, back in the olden days in like 2013, 2014, I was shit coining with uh, Dogecoin uh, the reason why it, it felt so interesting at that time was because of just the jovial nature of being able to tip people with an amount of money that was kind of just like, here's a penny. Woohoo. It's so fun. Yay. But, you know, like you're sending them like, like a thousand doge or whatever. And I feel like that same sense was in there in the kind of lightning torch thing, even though it wasn't like as so much a tipping thing. It was like this thing that showed the power of what was going on, even if you're using relatively trivial amounts. I guess we did have a couple people steal like $70. But anyway, it was this thing where, you know, let's say you started with 10,000 sats, the next person would add 20,000 sats, and you would just keep moving it from person to person, you know, on one hand, kind of showing that lightning was easy enough that a bunch of randos on Twitter could figure it out, and that it was actually doing as intended. Um, but it was also a bit of a, a, a marketing thing. You know, I remember a lot, uh, like people really took this thing to heart, like Hall the Knot, um, like his, his, like his, uh, identity and his reputation exploded. He got very famous. We got, we had like a thousand and one, I am Hall the Knot accounts or whatever, because people were very inspired by this movement. You know, we had that Craig Wright thing happened kind of out of scope for what we're talking about, but, um, it just exploded and it helped Lightning get a lot more visibility, even if people were still poo-pooing it in their usual way. You know, it's it still got a massive amount of attention just from a relatively simple, you know, let's move Bitcoin across Lightning back and forth, you know, like something relatively simple. Um and I think, you know, after that, I remember everyone in crypto copying that because everyone else is not creative. And, you know, we saw the nano torch, we saw the Coinbase torch, other dumb crap like that. Um, so <laughs> what do you guys think about, you know, 2019 and the kind of uh, the switching away from the uh, testing age, as you said? Yeah, I kind of feel like that was the conclusion of the first era possibly like like that was that was break into act two so to speak for uh for the lightning network um and uh i was stoked to have been um i, I mean I, I guess i was a i was i was a nobody um i, I still kind of think of myself that way but um people listen to the podcast so that's something um but I, I was super stoked to have actually been a part of that. I think I was like number 73 or 74, 
somewhere right in there um, nice. to hold the torch. And uh, we passed it around. It was still, it still felt like the testing phase to a degree. Um, uh, but it was cool to watch that move around. I think I had to, I had to open a channel actually to receive the payment the first time. I received it from somebody in Australia. It was a company. It was like a little, it was like a little app or service or something. What was that? Oh, it was a travel agency. It was a freaking travel agency in Australia that was accepting Bitcoin and had just started to screw around with Lightning. Um, and uh, and then we passed it around the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. We were actually doing the meetup podcast when somebody like messaged me and they were like, "Do you want the do you want the torch?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want the torch!" And uh, and I like I opened up a channel and I think two other people at the at the at the table like nobody really had the capacity. I think it was like. 500,000 sats or 400,000 sats or something at that point. Um, and it was, we, everybody was like having to open up a bunch of big channels. Um, uh, but it was crazy. It was, it was really cool to see that happen. So like out of like six or seven of us that we passed it around, like two or three of us, I think had to open up channels just to just have the payment go through. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was so bizarre because it was, it was one of those things that like you said, so many people have copied afterward, but it was just kind of that grassroots, sort of thing that Hodel and not just kind of thought up and, and a couple other people like they just jumped in they were like let's fucking do this thing and it bounced around to like a hundred and uh, 150 times 200 times or something like that before it all got donated um, and how many countries was it like there's it was crazy like like and that was kind of the thing is like look at this this is this is essentially quote unquote frictionless money in in the context that there are no borders here. Um, like I said, I received it from somebody in Australia and after I had the channel, it was instant. Like I didn't, it's not like I had to wait for something or there was a, some extra fee because it was 5,000 miles away instead of 200. Um, and it bounced all over the place. Somebody has a map somewhere. Um, that's just got, yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying dots. to pull that website up right now. Yeah. Uh, just, just because I'm, I'm curious. I don't remember who I got it from. I was much later down the list, probably like the 270s. Uh, but I got it. I passed it uh, to a Bitcoiner in Greece because uh, I, w- I wanted to represent, make sure we got Greece on the map. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nice. it, it, was, it was like a really cool experiment. It was like sort of like a great uh, you know, proof of concept to show like the borderless uh, payment side of the thing. And uh, I, I thought the coolest thing was the tourist passing through Iran uh, to this this guy named Zia. He, he's still on Twitter. Uh, a lot of great contributions from him. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy because like a lot of people in the United States, myself included, were like, "Oh, damn! How cool would it be <laughs> to just send it to Iran and just like get around all these sanctions?" But I think a lot of us decided against that because we didn't want to end up with a knock on our door from the State Department. But nonetheless, we got that torch to Iran and uh, you know really showed that this thing has no real limits as far as you know these artificially man-made borders go. So that was really cool to see. Uh, you know, there were some hiccups along the way. There were, you know, some liquidity issues, people jumping across wallets, uh, you know, to make things work. At one point, someone ran away with the money, which was really low because the money was uh, going to charity. Um, but, you know, Bitcoiners... I think are it was people. twice in that first... That first twice, run, yeah. It was twice. It was like somebody in like the 40s or 50s, and then it was somebody in, up in the like high 100s in the sequence of things 
but it was great. Like somebody rebooted it. Like you, you know, like when. Um, yeah, yeah. The people like they just, they just, took just like, oh, okay, my bad. I didn't verify this person, and they just took it out of their own pockets. And you know, we we made it work one way or the other. So um, keep yeah, that was that was an incredible event to to be a part of, even if it was just a small way. Um, yeah, attached off to Hoddledon and Fartface <laughs> and uh, everyone who helped facilitate that. That was an incredible experience. Yeah, definitely. That was a that was an epic part of Lightning. Uh, lightning history and it was also kind of that it, it kind of felt like that moment where for years and years the argument was um uh, the argument was that this is vaporware that lightning doesn't actually exist and i think that was kind of the moment where a lot of people had to stop saying that where that wasn't the case anymore. If you were if you were even slightly paying attention, it's like bullshit. We just sent it to like seventy countries, you know. Um, and and that was kind of the lightning's come, coming out moment, so to speak. Of like, I'm here. This thing exists and it's working, and and this thing's moving. And if you're not paying attention to it, you're missing something. Um, and uh, and since 2015 and 2016, all the big blockers were like, lightning is never going to happen. It doesn't work. And then that's when that that's that felt like a moment, a big moment that the goalpost had to get picked up and shifted because uh, um, it was no longer vaporware. Now it was just too many routing problems. It's like, ha ha ha. You have to admit we exist. (laughs) So maybe before we hit more current uh news here because you know everyone knows about El Salvador but we're going to kind of touch on that anyway because it's obviously very important here but I thought maybe it would be kind of fun to go through the last four years of the amount of nodes that have been on the network and the amount of Bitcoin that's been in the public capacity there so we'll, we'll kind of start with 2018 it started with 244 nodes and roughly 1.5 BTC so um, yeah not a lot of uh, Bitcoin that first year um, by the time 2019 hit um, we had 10x the nodes so we had about 2400 nodes and we had about 500 BTC um, so we like 500 X the amount of BTC in one year um, so that's obviously a, a huge jump up but I think the the biggest change um, that I'm seeing on here um, you know I'm gonna just kind of skip over this because we have to kind of work with the next half hour. I have a kind of a hard stop. Um, but uh, anyway, um, the biggest change is between tw- uh, the beginning of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. We started 2021 with 8,268 nodes and about 1,100 BTC. And we started 2022 with 19,000 nodes and roughly 3,300 BTC in the public capacity. So we doubled the amount of nodes and about tripled the amount of public capacity on here. What do you guys think about this? Um, I uh, uh, recently read um, the uh, podcast um, uh, Asyncs and uh, Open Nodes. 
uh, the state of lightning. Um, and, uh, their report, I think it was like 60 pages or something like that, but, um, it was really good, man. They broke down Jesus Christ, so many details. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> one of the things they talked that they explicitly talked about a lot of the network growth. Um, but I thought one of the things that was so interesting to me in breaking that down was that there was usage growth that you couldn't even see in the network itself. Um, so like, you know, when you're looking at just channel capacity and number of nodes and things, you're not, you're not seeing how much it's used. Um, and even without actually, you know, I could spin up a node right now and open up a million sat channel with I don't know, strike or, or fold or whatever. And, um, but never actually use it. Right. Like it looks like, Oh wow, we've had a million sat growth this, you know, on this day, uh, on the lightning, but maybe I don't even, maybe I don't even use it. Maybe it just sits there and I don't touch it for four months, but then without any change in capacity, four months later, suddenly fold or strike or whatever, some offer some deal or whatever. I'm like, Oh, I'll take advantage of this. And so I go and I start spinning a couple of transactions and suddenly it's like, well, shit, this actually works. And they're going to keep this up for a couple of days. And now I'll get like a $5 back, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it just suddenly there's this thing I can do with it. Um, and now I'm making, a payment every day. I mean, now, now suddenly, you know, this week I've made 20 payments, whereas the last four months it's been static and I've done nothing. Um, and that's one of the most interesting things to me is that 2021 saw, yes, it saw a lot of growth in the on-chain capacity, but one of the things they noticed more than anything, uh, and they had to leverage basically, because you can't really, you can't see really what's going on in lightning lightning you have to go ask all the individual nodes how many transactions they routed or how many they received etc um to get a uh, idea of usage and so they went to a ton of the custodial wallets for traffic information and they essentially saw an order of magnitude increase in the number of payments and the number of usage on lightning that was even greater than the growth in on-chain capacity and the number of nodes um so uh, just the the stat that I remembered that like really stuck out to me was just in September of 2021, um, there was a 25% increase in the total network capacity in a single month, 25%. Um, and yet, if you actually went and looked at the usage data, the usage data, the number of payments that were sent over the network doubled in that one month. So it was four times the amount of activity on the network versus what you could actually publicly see in the context of capacity and nodes. Um, so it's interesting how much there is to kind of unpack because as this thing gets fleshed out and as capacity grows, the, the reasons to use it become more numerous and the ability to use it becomes easier. Um, the the likelihood of a payment going through and not having a problem and the likelihood of somebody else having a simple wallet that works is increases. And where even with the exact same amount of capacity, I may have a year ago only done one or two payments. Maybe now I'm doing 10. Maybe now I'm doing 20. Um, so it's it's just interesting to see how much, how many different layers of growth there are, I guess you could say. Um, and then there's just the whole other thing of private capacity how many private channels and stuff but um uh i won't tangent into that yet <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty amazing like it makes total sense that you know once you have bitcoin staked up on lightning network uh of, of course the transactions uh 
can I, can I pace the the capacity growth because you know that stake Bitcoin can be used multiple times, time after time. It's not just going to the other side of the channel and, and not used again. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and furthermore, like Lightning Network has like a lot of interesting uh, dynamics. Like as the Bitcoin price goes up, the U.S. dollar value of uh, the Lightning Network goes up too, and it takes a less sats to uh, complete transactions priced in dollars, which is pretty amazing. Uh, similarly, when the price is going down, uh, the network grows more robust because people are putting even more capital on to reach those levels. Uh, so uh, there's some interesting dynamics there. Um, and then like we, we haven't even gotten into uh, the other side of the coin. Like we only know, um, you know, public capacity. We, we are, we don't know what the hell is going on with private channels. Um, that could be like, it's like a whole other part of the lightning network that just, you know, not known to us. It's, it's data that's not conveyed through the gossiping of, of the network. So, you know, how big is the lightning network really? If you were to add all that up, you know, is it, you know, just 10% bigger, 20% bigger? Is it twice as big? It's like hard to say. Yeah. The last, uh, the last serious estimate I saw, um, I think was at the beginning of 2021 ish, a little bit later, um, is, uh, was that it's roughly cause you can actually still, this will change is as a uh, taproot becomes adopted by lightning nodes, which I think are the most likely candidate for, um, taproot just because of uh, cost savings in a multi-sig transaction. Um, but, uh, so this we actually won't be able to see this in the future um but at least now you can actually do blockchain analysis and essentially look at the ones that have all the relevant characteristics to make it appear as if it's a lightning channel but then compare it to the gossip network on lightning uh like the public network and see if it shows up there or not and if there was no quote-unquote closing transaction on chain well then you can assume that is probably a private channel. I think there's, I don't know what the, the degree of assuredness there is there, but the last estimate I saw was about a third. Um, so you're only seeing in the public channels, roughly, you know, give or take probably 10% somewhere in there. Um, you're only seeing about two thirds of the network. There's a huge portion of the network that's just kind of dark. Um, and uh, I actually think most of what Strike does I think Jack Mallard said that every time they open channels, it's a private channel. Um, so there's a huge kind of in the shadows corner of the network that just doesn't broadcast and doesn't route and doesn't talk on the gossip network, but is completely functional and you can still send and receive payments from. And that's just a really interesting dynamic. Actually, Evan, you, talk, you were talking about this earlier, is that as a bunch of new solutions get um, implemented and we start seeing all the divergence and all these little tools and tweaks and features and stuff and all the different clients, is that we might actually see more divergence rather than convergence on the Lightning Network. Um, and there's, there's an element of that that I think is really interesting that we might actually see different corners or, or ah, maybe corner is not the word, um, uh, different sections, so to speak, of the Lightning Network that prioritize and focus on different things. Like there's a section of the Lightning Network um, that, you know, L2 is backward compatible, right? So there will be a whole portion of the Lightning Network in the not too distant future, a couple of years probably, um, that will be using L2, whereas the 
a whole other portion of the network will still be on the legacy model. Um, and then there is likely going to be portions of the network that don't want to deal with micropayments, whereas there could be a portion of the network that is almost completely focused on micropayments. Um, and each subset of nodes will probably prioritize and fill gaps based on what they want to do in their companies. So certain companies and certain nodes in gaming or whatever will probably heavy micropayments. That's what uh, uh, they saw with the State of Lightning report is that there's a whole series of gambling and gaming uh, that's going on on Lightning and their transaction capacity is massive. Like, like the number of payments that they're making is massive, but they're all tiny. They're like 10 sats, they're like 12 sats. Um, and uh, they're making them incredibly high frequency and constantly streaming payments, value for value stuff. Um, and uh, we're going to see that. And I think you'll see big nodes that fulfill giant payments, but they don't want to do micropayments. Um, so it, it'll be, I think we're gonna have a huge diverse and kind of multifaceted and almost segmented network that does all of these different jobs. And then there's all these bridge nodes that kind of fill the gaps and connect them together. So I, I don't know, I, I see this as being an incredibly big and diverse, like kind of natural looking environment. Um, and, and I think we're already beginning to see that um, in this quote unquote third chapter, so to speak, the way I like to think of it, um, of the Lightning Network. I would like to go ahead and welcome D++ up to the stage, just so you uh, feel welcome here. All right, though. Um, okay, so the next thing we're probably going to hit is our own kind of uh, personal, oh, I guess D++ wasn't on stage anymore, my bad, um, is to go ahead and hit our kind of personal onboarding stories. And then if anyone else wants to jump on stage to share their own kind of lightning network onboarding tales, anything interesting, or just, just letting you know, letting us know and everyone else know how you got started, that'd be great. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start with myself because I'm already the person talking just to kind of uh, keep things going here. Um, so the way that I kind of got started was um, saw, saw this uh, Reckless Network drop, um, downloaded all the kind of easier uh, wallets that I could. Um, that was fine. You know, I was doing some stuff with Fold, did, did a couple test payments with uh, BitRefill. Um, all of this was in 2018 before I started the podcast. Um, and, you know, the, the first thing that actually got me started, you know, I, I had uh, Pierre's um, node launcher, I believe that was 2018. And I was using that. I couldn't really get it to work in the way that I wanted to. Like it kind of worked, but then would, would break by the next day for some reason. Um, and so eventually I got kind of sick of dealing with the node launcher. Um, and a BTC pay server actually came out with an easy to deploy um, like with uh, Luna node, they had like this easy deploy thing. So I did that and I actually got my lightning node working that way. Um, and that's kind of been my primary node ever since. I've since gotten other nodes up and running, but they've never been the primary node. Um, this BTC pay server is what I use for um, accepting uh, 
value for value payments for the podcasting 2.0 stuff. Um, it's what if anyone ever wanted to buy a sticker, you know, we would accept uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin over Lightning through that. Um, and also where I host my WooCommerce thing. Um, so yeah, like the PTC pay server, just to throw that out there, is one of the more useful pieces of technology that Bitcoin and Lightning has ever seen outside of Bitcoin itself. Um, and it, it without, without that piece of software, my business would be a giant pain in the ass without it. Um, so I'm definitely glad that exists. And then like after that, um, I started the podcast in August of 2018. I wasn't learning fast enough. So I really wanted something to kind of get this stuff into my veins uh, faster, you know, to IV it or whatever. Um, so that's, you know, junkies. It makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and just, you know, that's what was my start. You know, I just needed to know more, get into this thing because I'm... I'm still convinced that this is the most likely way, you know, if Bitcoin ends up being what we think it will, then Lightning is the best way to scale that and the most likely way that people's uh, financial freedom will be um, increased worldwide. So that's my kind of quick story on uh, onboarding the Lightning. What about you guys? Yeah, so... Um... For me, I was messing around a lot with the Raspi Bolt project first. Uh, decided to dust off an old Raspi and, uh, you know, try to hack together my own Lightning node using their tutorial. So Raspi Bolt was like a version where they'd give you the commands and you try to set up a Bitcoin Core and LND yourself. So I had uh, messed around a lot with that project before moving on to uh, Raspi Blitz as my main node. Uh, you know, I really love both of those projects and I have to tip my hat off to them for really getting me started uh, in this domain. And uh, I guess at the time I, I was working in cybersecurity still, but I'd moved from doing like front end stuff to uh, like cloud development and like AWS. And uh, I, I wanted to like still work on my, um, you know, sort of web dev stuff, but I also wanted to get into mobile. And I started messing around with React Native, which is the framework Zeus uses, and started hacking uh, the app together because, uh, you know, we had Lightning, uh, which is this awesome, great way of making payments, but what really shines is, you know, making payments, um, you know, in, in person to be able to do that and not have to wait for block time. So started hacking on Zeus. Uh, I'd say this was like fall 2018 and, you know, I think mid-February, we put out our first release of it, of uh, 2019. Uh, and, uh, you know, ever since then, we're just hacking on Zeus and in my free time. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of uh, where we've got it today. And, uh, you know, I, I really just started making the app for myself. Uh, some A solution for, for me to take my note on the go, manage on the go, check out my channels when... Like I was on the bus going into work into the city every day. Uh, but, uh, you know, now a lot of people have made it their go-to wallet. Uh, it's really encouraged a lot of people to set up their own nodes and take sovereignty in their own hands. So that's for me, that's just icing on the cake. And, uh, you know, hope to keep doing it and helping a part of, of that software stack that helps, you know, financially empower people. And, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put out a lot of great software this year. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys stay tuned. Hell yeah, man. Um, I've actually been uh, 
uh, a couple of my main uh, well I, i'll get there it's kind of the end of the story um but uh, uh i already talked a little bit about like kind of the beginning of it I started in about may 2018 just booting up whatever i assume it was lnd um i don't even remember thinking about quote unquote which one it was back then um it was just lightning to me um uh on terminal and uh just screwed around with it for a little while and let it sit stagnant and then probably came back three months later and force closed all my channels uh, i think half of them were already closed um and uh then moved the funds off of it and i kept tinkering with a bunch of little things um but uh i never i never could really take it seriously yet like i was still i mean it was reckless phase and i was still a little bit nervous um but slowly and surely the user interfaces started kind of coming out like that were that were real and actually worked um and um i would basically try to open up and play with everyone that I could get my hands on. Um, and, uh, I think, I think it was sometime early 2019 that async had their, the, whatever the Eclair one was on mobile came out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I used uh, a couple of them there. Um, but the time I finally, I really dug in and started using lightning and this is actually still my main node was BTC pay server. Um, I had a bit of a headache setting up. The interface was a little clunky to me when I first got on. It wasn't intuitive, I guess is the word. Um, so I was scrambling through docs on how to do stuff. But um, after getting it set up, that thing, man, that thing runs like a like a breeze. Um, and uh, that has been my main node in ClearNet ever since, actually. Um, and I use it for my website. I have uh, my two main wallets that I use connected to it or actually three technically, um, are, uh, zap and Zeus and, uh, and then also jewel actually jewel came out, I think in 2019, which is just a browser extension and it's not even been touched. I don't even think it's been updated in forever, but it still works like a charm. I use it all the time. Um, I have a little telegram group where, uh, we screw around. I have some like four or five people who just do little odd jobs for me. And I just pay them twenty dollars hundred dollars like whatever and i just use it all through jewel every time every time i do something on the computer um on my desktop i mean and uh and now i just now i just try everything out um i've been super stoked by uh on mobile specifically outside of the ones like zeus and zap that connect to my main node um i have an umbral node i have an embassy node uh, umbral has like four or five channels the embassy just has the one um and then i've got like the phoenix moon and breeze wallets these are great mobile wallets that all have like kind of slightly different uh privacy and usability trade-offs but they're all you hold your own keys like they're with caveats they're basically sovereign wallets um sovereign lightning uh, apps um all of them i've big big fan of all three really um and uh this last year jesus this last year i don't even know how many tra i tried to do actually while i was reading the state of lightning i tried to go through to like look at all my transactions to see like how many i had done which was kind of a hilarious task um but i think i like found it was like two thousand or something like that like like i just have, because you know with in the combination of like streaming sats with um 
payments I've done on my main node, a bunch of different wallets. Um, and I combined everything. I think I have like a hundred X quote unquote was my, my, my rough, uh, scaling multiple for how many channels I had versus how many, um, uh, payments I had done on lightning, um, which was just kind of cool to think about it just in my personal context. I, I can say that my quote unquote data experience of the Bitcoin blockchain, because I use lightning and have used lightning so much in the last year and some change is a hundred X. Like, like I essentially have what 150 megabyte blocks on Bitcoin. Um, and it's kind of cool to kind of see the beginning of like, wow, this thing could really, really scale in a big way. Um, and the more and more we could lean on this and the easier these apps get, the more, the more we're talking about onboarding tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people to it, um, and actually being able to sustain that. Um, and I think we won't, it won't be very long before we're talking about billions. Um, if the, prog the progress of the last couple of years is anything to, is any sort of model to look at for the future, um, I think the next three or four years are going to be crazy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I am now. Still use BTC pay. I need to probably get my main node off of the actual built-in BTC pay one, do it on uh, its own C Lightning or LND or something, and then connect it to BTC pay. But I've just been stressing about having to close 30 channels or <laughs> whatever, whatever it is and kind of start the whole thing over. But I'm probably going to have to do it soon because there's, there's a limitation for how many other things apps and things I can connect to it and setting certain configuration stuff because BTC pay is a little bit limited and it's better for the payment interface and the, the website stuff and the WooCommerce and all that great shit. Um, rather than actual running of the node, it's better to connect a node, um, rather than actually have it be your node in my opinion. Uh, so that's just a caveat for anybody thinking about doing that. Okay, and then I would like to go ahead and welcome Bacco Bitcoiner twenty one. Did you want to go and share your lightning onboarding story or ask a question? Bacco. Or I'm not. going to go take yeah, a shit. No. No, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to carry up groceries to my apartment right now. So, uh, you mind going to one more person, and then I'll be ready. Well, well, Yes, we we'll appreciate we'll the dedication for tuning in while doing that. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> you you got it. I, I just dropped some shit too. So, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Back. Okay. No worries. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, does anyone else out there in the audience want to share their Lightning Network onboarding story? I see quite a few. Um, uh, lightning fans out there, anyone want to regale us with their onboarding story? Somebody's got some some fun ass shit out there. I know. I think somebody's they do. Some, no, somebody's got some lost some stuff on Lightning. I, I am uh, very happy to say that I have not. I did have a channel in the early days, like 2018, late 2018 ish, I think, that was like stuck pending somewhere. Like I tried to force close it and it was like the client never knew where it was closed or not. I don't even remember what I did to figure it out. Uh, I ended up, I think I even imported the seeds somewhere else. What did I do to get that? I don't know. I had a, I had a stuck channel for like seven months 
or something like that. I thought I had just lost 200,000 sats or 300,000, whatever it was. Um, I ended up getting it back. I have no idea how. But has anybody, anybody else lost, actually lost anything on Lightning? Okay, so I feel like this is one I'm I'm qualified to speak up on pretty clearly here. So um, one of the first uh, wallets that I ever had on Lightning, um, I suppose I had like $40 worth of Bitcoin in it or something like that. Um, but I can't remember the exact circumstance, but um, somehow I um, lost the, uh, the backup phrase. I don't think it had a backup phrase. So maybe that was the issue. Um, and uh, I had to hard reset my phone. And so I lost the 40,000 um, or the $40, excuse me, worth of Bitcoin. And then the an, another time, kind of a very interesting scenario that really hasn't happened since. But on a BLW wallet, I remember it was on Halloween, actually. Um, I did a transaction for like $8 or actually even less. It was like a thousand sats. And um, someone on the network had their fees set to like a, a ridiculous amount because I ended up paying an $8 transaction fee to send a thousand sats. So it was probably no, Pierre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he got my $8 and good, good for Pierre. Um, but like that, and I think I lost some other amount being boneheaded. Um, it's, it's, it's when you're doing a lot of this Bitcoin lightning testing stuff and you're doing like, you know, 12 wallets, it's very easy to not pay attention to wallet 11 and just like, up. Oh, I forgot, I guess I forgot to do that. Oh, well, my bad. I'm literally in that situation right now. That's why I'm having to, uh, that's actually not right. I'm paying $3,300 to get the data off my phone. Um, uh, but, uh, like I said, I, I, like I said earlier at the beginning of this, it's probably only like three or $400 worth of <laughs> basically change in all these separate wallets um the three or four that i couldn't get um but uh, uh i'm really doing it because they're pictures that i definitely need um but uh yeah the the man shit i forgot where i was even going that was the last whole thing you said jazz Oh God! I think I might have forgot, man. Um, <laughs> at it the end of these was, things, it was probably just a ridiculous tangent, anyway. But <laughs> it well, was something, something about ready too. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's go to let's go to Bago. Okay, uh, how's everyone doing? Uh, so, I'm gonna share my perspective as like a complete newbie, um, new to Bitcoin. I got into Bitcoin like pretty much a year ago. Just completely fell down the rabbit hole, and. Uh, the guys who orange filled me, they were talking about getting a node, and I was just kind of like, well, if they're going to do it, you know, I want to do it kind of thing. So um, they ended up not getting one. I ordered one, put this thing together. Um, I'm no computer text guy by no means. Um, so I was trying to upload it, Umbral, on my MacBook and uh, old one, and it, it was just a pain in the ass. So I went and bought a whole new computer setup um, and uh, downloaded everything, and Man, it's been a lot of research, but it's uh, that research wakes you up to see the possibilities and how this could scale across across the planet. And um, so I've just been, yeah, uh, trying to research as much, much as possible. At first, I was just kind of like, oh, shoot, well, I'm just going to go start opening up a few channels, which I did just to try to do it. And then I was like, okay, I need to slow my roll a little bit and um, really start kind of learning what I'm doing. So just throwing money around that I'm, you know, have no idea what 
you know exactly what I'm doing. So um, just really been trying to do my research on everything and learning, uh, you know, how to open channels and whatnot. And then um, also start messing around with the BTC pay server, um, the place that I work at. Um, they talked about trying to accept Bitcoin payments soon. So I'm like, well, shoot, if I can uh, learn how to do this, I could teach him and we could start doing it and I could just be a part of it, you know, and um, never know what kind of uh, impacts that has locally. So um, I started messing around with the pay server, uh, built them a store. Man, that thing works pr- for somebody who's not tech savvy. That thing works pretty pretty smoothly uh it was pretty easy to get going um and then uh you know especially with using moon wallet it's just so freaking fast it's unbelievable i mean it's literally you can't blink before the payment's going through and um so now after showing my boss what i'm able to do with it i'm uh uh they just bought a you know the parts to build a node and um we're going to be working on getting the pay store set up in the uh, brewery so uh you know just all this learning that i've done i've been able to prove to them like hey i at least know what i'm doing and i could uh you know run the pace server store for you pretty much and um yeah so it's pretty crazy what this can possibly scale out to here you know this year next year um so uh yeah that's pretty much all i got dude that is amazing the orange pill is strong. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, you've been in I this for a year and turn it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't. Um, uh, that's, that's so cool. See, that's, that's one of the things that just has me always like get, gets my mind racing on the fact that you're motivated to learn about all that stuff and figure out how channels work and, and, and then what you can then what sort of a resource you can then be to the people around you and the business that you, you work with and mm-hmm. all of these things. Like, it's so cool to see how quickly that can turn into the whole next layer, the, the, you know, the second and third, uh, um, uh, second and third layer effects or whatever of, of Definitely. you know, breaking out a freaking node, knowing how to mm-hmm. open a channel, even what a channel is. Yep. Um, and you're right. It is a hell of a task. It is, it and is here, here's the most to important learn. thing too. I think uh, for the people who tend to die off with nodes, um, you know, definitely not having a knowledge or a desire to do your own research. But if you're going into this looking to make a profit, thinking, "Oh, if miners can make so much, well, maybe my node can make," you know, a certain extent of that. You know, you're going in it for the wrong idea. Um, you know, get in this to learn what Bitcoin is, become Bitcoin. Um, learn how the Lightning Network works because it's going to be the future of payments. It's uh, and uh, you know who knows what you, you run into going down this rabbit hole, hole alone. So uh, do it for the passion of Bitcoin. Do it to make Bitcoin stronger, and uh, don't be selfish and try to make any kind of short-term gain. And uh, you'll you'll fall in love with the Lightning Network as well. Amazing, man. Thank you for uh, sharing that. Um, it looks like we have Raphael on stage. Did you want to go ahead and share your story or ask a question? Uh, hi there. Yes. Um, Guy, I would like to ask you, um, what's your take on what Chain Analysis has announced regarding uh, the Lightning Network and their ability to surveil it? Um, I'll, I'll say a couple things. Uh, so... 
yeah, chain analysis, just for context, is they've announced that they're doing a – they're going to provide uh, uh, analysis analysis services on um, payments and things on Lightning as well as Bitcoin. Um, I would say there's a couple of things here is one, chain analysis is always – I read a – oh, man, what was this piece? I've read something by somebody who I think used to work with chain analysis or something. What, what was the connection there? I can't. Rem- I cannot remember exactly, but it was. It was essentially talking about how much they kind of have to guess, how much they have, um, and this is about blockchain analysis, by the way. Um, is how many times they have kind of like a probability that it is X or something, rather than the fact that they sound like, oh, we know X, it's kind of like they assume X and there's potential that it could be this. Um, there's there's a lot of things that point to it, but they don't really, really know. Um, and I think the their announcement of saying they're doing analysis on Lightning comes with a couple of different things that has me a little bit bullish. One, Lightning is relevant, um, is that they know they need to be there um, and that if they aren't doing lightning analysis, they're not going to be able to boast that they're providing a useful service. Two, no matter what they say, when no matter what they do, what they say publicly is going to make it sound. They're they're going to say that they can see and understand and figure out everything, because that's the service they're selling. Like Pfizer isn't going to come out and say, well, our vaccine is like terrible or our products are bad. And like, you know, here's all the here's all the negative things about it. They're going to say this will cure your headaches forever. You know, they're, they're just going to tell you all the great things about it. Walmart is not going to talk about how they have the heart. It's just kind of a shitty experience and the greeters are kind of grumpy, but they're just going to talk about how great it is and smiley faces everywhere. Um, in the same way, chain analysis wants you to think that they can see everything and they know everything. Um, and uh um, and then the let's see what was the third. I mean, with the um, Lightning Network is pretty easy because what? liquidity is centralized. It only really functions right now because the liquidity is held by a few companies. The routing of transactions in the Lightning Network is only truly possible because it is overseen by the companies that support the hubs. Take Strike, for example. 10%, I think it's 10% are referred to as like cut nodes, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, where they're like critical routes in the network. Um, uh, I, th- I think that's right. Um, but uh, so if you're, I mean, if you can get the data from them, well, then sure, you can see, you can see a significant amount of the traffic. But that doesn't mean that you know from who that traffic is coming from, uh, who the traffic is coming from and who it's going to explicitly um again all the payments are onion routed so there's a degree of they have to they have to do a lot of assumptions on a lot of the data and they they can't see the full picture this is explicitly why somebody like async and uh open node had to go to all of these nodes in order to get the payment data um because you can't it's not a matter of just like, oh, I'm looking at the routes, the payments that are routing through my node, and then, oh, now I know who's paying who and how much and all of this stuff. And we're also in a position where AMPs, like multipath payments, are um, are not 
widely used and they're also really easy to connect it together because they use the same htlc but we're also i think we won't be too very far from using ptlc's which you won't actually be able to know across separate nodes even if you can get all that information from them that they are exactly the same payment being split up in multiple different places this is going to get harder for them and i think lightning network is already something that is more obscured than the blockchain data i think we're just moving into a new space where yes they can see a lot of data obviously there's network analysis that you can do on anything there's no privacy uh uh uh, what's the word um there's no cure there's no cure for privacy there's not like a light switch right it's it's always a um uh, a spectrum and lightning is better um without a doubt uh, there are still a lot of times in which it's limited, in which there's plenty of data that can be pulled from it. Um, but it's, I think of it as a significant improvement over the base blockchain, and there are still tons of improvements to come, and that's something that's always a part of the development process, and it's always a part of the never-ending battle to try to get more and more privacy. So I don't want people to think that, oh, just because I use Lightning, they can't see shit. Obviously, they can see a lot and they can uh, piece together a lot of information if they're connected to or getting data from a lot of these different nodes. Um, but it's also not a sure thing. It's not as if just because they can talk to some main nodes, well, then they know everybody who's paying everybody and they know all the stuff that's going on. That's not a, that's not at all the case either. Um, so it's it's wary. Like, I'm wary of it in the context that, like, I don't want to assume that I have some profound privacy. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that I don't have any privacy, that I'm not, it's not better for me in that situation. And it's fully something I expected for chain analysis to do. Um, like this is just kind of the next stage of things. Right. Um, so, I mean, it comes with a lot of different caveats, but I'm not like worried about it. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah. I would say like right now, if you're worried about at least the privacy of sending your transactions, um, just run your own node. Stop stop using like custodial wallets, like you know, wallet of Satoshi and Blue Wallet, at least in its current form. They'll have a great user experience, but you know, they're you're using someone else's node and they could piece stuff together. Uh, I think the same could be said about something like Moon to a lesser extent. Um, so I think from a sender's perspective, uh, just run your own node and you're gonna get a whole lot of privacy. And and once Taproot is widespread and we're using that for our channel openings, uh, you know, on-chain analysis regarding Lightning becomes like impossible. Uh, then furthermore, um, on, on the receiving side, uh, we need to fix things, but we have a lot of great proposals as far as stuff like rendezvous routing goes. And that's surely going to be uh, implemented, uh, you know, in the next year or two. Uh, that being said, in the meantime, there, there are creative solutions you could do to increase your privacy. But I... Uh, you know, if anyone wants a real deep dive on the state of lightning privacy, there's a great article by Anthony Ronning that they should check out. I believe on his blog, I'll, I'll probably uh, tweet that in, in a bit or share it in the, in the channel. But um, yeah, lightning privacy still has a, a ways to go, but uh, there's I don't think there's any major problem that is uh, you know unsolvable, and we've got the greatest minds working to address them. Yeah, thanks for that question, by the way. That's a good question, Raphael. 
All right. Yeah, we do have to move on there, uh, Raphael. I'm sorry. Um, Adel Gang, did you have a question or comment or a story about Lightning Network you'd like to close out the show with? We don't have a lot of time left here. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for, for hosting the space. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys can hear me clearly. Uh, you know, my, my journey into, you know, Bitcoin was actually established for me working in a central bank, right? So I used to work for the uh, South African Reserve Bank. I, I left it after, you know, I got the orange pill and, and, and I've been exploring different things. But because of the work that I do, I am now in, in charge of a project where, you know, we are implementing something in Botswana. I don't know if you guys know where Botswana is, but it's just north of South Africa. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite sad that, you know, people are spending, you know, millions of uh, dollars to implement systems that I feel are in, ineffective. And I, I need to stack sets so I you know I, I work and and try to to you know to make enough rands so that I can stack sets but people are still using ISO messages to use mobile channels and and stuff like that right so so my question is if you you were in a position where you are in charge of a project where a central bank is implementing something that you know for a fact that, you know, in the next two years will be obsolete. How would you approach management? How would you approach, you know, the people that make decisions while you keep telling them that, you know, there's this thing called Bitcoin and the Lightning Network is actually better for doing, you know, um, cross-border payments, you know, because, you know, we were implementing a system that basically connects with the entire network of Africa, right? Uh, but but no one is listening to me. So how would you guys approach it where you, how, how would you guys do it where, you know, you're actually in charge of a central bank, you know, uh, system that's been implementing using ISO? You know, it's like, you know, right now we, we have to deploy, uh, I don't know if you guys know WSO2, it's an ESB that basically just does like translations of messages and it's it's cumbersome, right? Like the, you have so many approvers and it's really cumbersome. And I just want to use lightning because I know it works. But the people that I'm working with don't understand what I'm talking about. How would you guys approach, you know, that situation where you, you are the project manager, but the technology that's being used is really like, you know, legacy stuff, right? How would you guys, we, we, we have to implement like TCP, IP, you know, tunneling. That's crazy, right? It's 2022, we have Bitcoin. How would you guys approach that? That's my question. I would say slowly. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the transition, particularly in the legacy system, is going to be shockingly slow. I, I think they're going to resist as much as they can, and and I think from quote unquote like like from the outside, um, Bitcoin has this has a very um, 
I think a largely negative connotation um, that, you know, it's just this internet gambling thing, you know, like it's not something to take seriously. Uh, so I would say, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't have full control over what, what you do. And also like in that size of uh, a project, um, uh, lightning is not always going to work. Like, like you're going to run into problems with lightning. Like it's its own thing to have to implement and deal with the problems of like, I am sure strike has a hell of a time on its hands trying to keep everything working. It's, it's its own business model. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, so probably, I mean, outside of the fact that I don't really know anything about the, the specifics of your situation or the project that you are trying to get that you're managing right now um i would say don't be too pushy but be persistent without without being pushy in the sense that like keep it keep it as a as a thing and see if you can get some little corner of it to test something um uh that uh can't we have this little side project or something where um, we can just play around this, but give me, give me one person and the two of us will just tinker with this and just show you what it might look like. Um, just get the, get the, the room to tinker a little bit, um, and see if you can get them to at least realize that there could be a situation here and also look for somebody to partner with, to fill in all the gaps. Like Nidig is, has purchased a bottle pay, a lightning wallet. Um, and, uh, Ross Stevens, the CEO of NIDIG is like partnering with tons and tons of banks. I think they've partnered with like, there, there's discussion where like talks are like 200 banks or something like that. If, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm pulling that out of my ass. I don't know why that's stuck in my head. Um, but that they are talking about partnering with to onboard people onto Bitcoin to basically have, so that the bank doesn't have to touch it. They don't have to learn about keys or anything, or at least they learn the bare minimum. They can basically offload this responsibility to NIDIG because, oh, it is this scary, awful thing that I don't even know and I want to touch it, but my customers want it. Um, uh, see if you can uh, get a conversation happening, um, but you know, don't have uh, don't assume that it's going to work and they're going to uh, adopt this and that they're going to jump on the Bitcoin train or whatever, but be persistent without demanding, I guess is, is maybe the word, like don't be aggressive about it. Um, and just, you know, all of my successes in getting people onto Bitcoin and getting people to understand it is addressing it and bringing it up where it could be useful and talking about it as if it's a real option and that, yeah, we could figure this out. It would be a headache. And then when they say nah or they get bored with it or I see their eyes glaze over, just step back. Don't don't be pushy. Don't make them annoyed that you're bringing it up again. Um, and just, you know, bring it up where it's relevant. Drop little seeds, little hints, and let time do its job. Um, that those, are, those are all my Bitcoin successes is be confident, but wait. You know, be patient. Thank you for your uh, question there. Sorry, I had to take you off of the speaker thing. We got to keep this going. I'm going to be ending relatively shortly here. So we do not have time for a back and forth right now. I'm sorry. Um, Nate, did you have a uh, some some brief comments here that you'd like to share with us before we end the show? Yeah, Chaz. Thanks, man. I, I know you guys uh, are wrapping it up. Um, I just want to say um, 
Real quick that like I've been playing around with lightning since staticus came out with the raspi bolt which I highly encourage everyone to try out especially if you don't know a lot about Linux because you will learn so much and that was the rabbit that was the Linux rabbit hole for me it was a lightning rabbit hole and a Linux res uh, rabbit hole so I like to really bring that project up a lot for people that really want to get that that really want to learn uh, about the inner workings so if you google raspi bolt uh, by staticus um, you'll get a really really cool guide and besides that happy four years of lightning uh, Chaz guy Evan you guys are legends I can't wait to see you in Miami and uh, thanks a lot hell yeah yeah plus one on raspi bolt love that Thanks, Nate. I uh, really appreciate you uh, providing those comments. All right. So I had some other um, topics kind of lined up here, but I am kind of already past the point at which I need to kind of move on and actually do my day job here. Um, I was I was already kind of pushing it at this point. Um, so I think we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of close out things here. Um, I think maybe the final thing that I would have all you guys share here really briefly, if possible, is some... Um, what is that? Uh, when you uh, da, 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 um, call to action, um, what calls to action do you guys have in relation to Bitcoin and the Lightning Network? Do you think that would be the most beneficial to the uh, audience out there? I'll just say um, uh, get a Lightning wallet. Um, uh, you don't have to boot up a node or anything um, and open a bunch of channels or get a Raspberry Pi or whatever. Um, I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole and you want to play around with that definitely do um i encourage it it's fun uh and like a uh, uh, baco or whatever said um you learn a ton you learn a ton and uh, i love i love to tinker with all that stuff so i'm i'm always jumping on that first but get a get a simple lightning wallet and just kind of start experimenting to so start doing payments receive uh payments um I, i'm i've gotten to a point where i've gotten so used to using it that it weirded me out when like I'll go to if I go to a conference or whatever and they're accepting payments and then somebody's like yeah yeah here's I'm, I'm like oh I'll just pay $10 for this or I'll pay you back for the meal that we're doing or something like that and they're like uh, here's a lightning address and I'm like oh shit I gotta use regular bitcoin fuck I don't and I'm like going through all my apps like and I'm like alright which one is not lightning here um, so I think the fact that lightning has become the norm and I'm expecting that is an indication that it's a perfect time to get in. Um, download the Breeze wallet or uh, Moon or Phoenix. M-U-U-N is Moon. Um, these are these are great mobile wallets that I'm a big fan of. Make sure you have very good backups um, because you might end up thinking you're just testing it for $5 and then using it for months and then your phone shitting the bed and realizing that you never did a proper backup or that your backup is on your phone that shit the bed, um, which is where I am right now for a couple of those. So <laughs> get a wallet, start playing, have good backups. Yeah, just want to double down on that. Uh, yeah, just get a wallet. You, you don't necessarily have to run your own node, though I highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, like try to try to encourage your friends to try it out. Uh, you know, it's like a night and day experience from pretty much anything else uh, we've ever seen before. And uh, you know, encourage the places that you frequent. Uh, you know, whether they be meat space businesses or businesses online, 
um, you know, we're, we're really just starting to see those sort of uh, services. Like, I think Namecheap is going to have lightning soon, which is really exciting. Encur- encourage those services, uh, places you frequent, to, to check it out, look into Bitcoin and, and lightning. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Try to learn as much as you can. And, of course, re- reach out to us over at Lightning Junkies if you have any questions. We're all really friendly and happy to help you guys with, you know, whatever lightning-related problems or questions you may have. All right. Fantastic guys. Yeah. Um, I'm right on board with all of you. I, I think my main opinion is if any of this seems hard or difficult, that's the perfect reason why you should look into this stuff. The only way the stuff will get easier for you is if you walk straight into the difficulty. And even if you have to hit yourself over the head with it 30 times in a row, you know, maybe on the 31st try, it'll actually sink in. Um, and then you, it's in there. You could do something with it. You could help your business. Um, you could help your friends or help, you know, whatever the case might be. There's many different ways that this technology could help people out there. Um, so for now, I think that's where we're going to go ahead and uh, end the, the show here. A couple final notes. I want to go ahead and thank Guy Swan for making a special guest appearance on a Lightning Friday. What, what? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Happy Lightning White Paper Day, man. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Um, and uh, a couple of final uh, thanks to Zeus Wallet, to Amboss.space, to Lightning Junkies, to Lightning Cat, who is recording this for YouTube and for our later yeah, upload to the RSS feed. What was that? Just saying thank you to Cat. I appreciate you. Perfect. All right. And then um, I would also like to mention Bitcoin 2022 is coming up April 6th to 9th. If you use Lightning Junkies, all caps as your coupon code, you'll save 10%. If you use our link for Fold in our comments, you can also get some sats back if you've never signed up for Fold. Um, All right, kids. That's the end of the show. I will see y'all on the Lightning Network. Let's go!